The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to today's episode. My special guest this afternoon was Greg Shom. He's the president of Excelsior Leader Sports. We talked about everything from him playing college baseball to living in Hollywood and his time as a broadcaster with the Kansas City Royals. It's very interesting uh, conversation. I hope you enjoy it. And once again, I don't know what the static noise is. It's not that bad, but I do apologize in advance. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this amazing conversation with Greg Shom. Welcome to Astros Baseball, a podcast by a fan. For the fans of the Houston Astros, here is your host, Rob Fontenot. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. Today, my special guest is Greg Shom. He is the president of Excelsior Leader Sports Baseball Agency. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Well, I first I want to let you know I appreciate you doing this. I just reached out to you on uh, Twitter, and you were nice enough to come aboard and do this with me. So I really do appreciate that. I want to start the show off by saying that. I, yeah, no problem at all. And, and honestly, I, probably, I would have done it anyway, but during this time, there's so much free time right now. Um, you know, it's a tough situation for all of us, um, but I think that it, it made it that much easier for me to, to jump on board with you today. Okay, so you you run your own sports agency, or you're the president. So yep. what kind of clients do you have in your agency right now? Okay, so... My career started in this industry um, eight eight years ago. Um, I worked for a different agency. I worked for a larger agency for five years. Actually, when I first started with that agency, we had one big leaguer and we had one first round draft pick. When I left that agency, we had six big leaguers and six first uh, round draft picks. Um, I decided to leave that company after they merged with a larger company and uh, really thought that uh, it was time for me to start on my own. Um, and right now, uh, my players uh, are all minor leaguers. Uh, the highest one being a AAA player with the New York Mets. I do have a pitcher with Houston Astros who had a great year last year in high A. Um, I have a player with the Nationals, with the Reds, uh, with, the, with the Brewers, with the A's, with the Braves. And, the, and I think I did the Reds already. So uh, eight, eight players right now. And then I advise... Uh, several amateurs. In fact, last year I advised three of the top 100 players in the, in the country. Um, all three chose to uh, to go to college as well. So what what is your history in baseball? Let's go all the way back to when you were a kid. Is baseball kind of your life? Yeah, you know, I'm looking around my office right now. I've got uh, vintage, I buy vintage slides on eBay and then I blow them up in like Joe Poster size. So I've got 
vintage pictures of Thurman Munson, Reggie Jackson, uh, my all-time favorite player, Frank Tanana, uh, Sparky Anderson, a bunch, bunch of old greats. And then I actually have kind of like the uh, MLB wall, uh, wall of cards. I have my own uh, wall of sports cards uh, that kind of trims my office. So mm-hmm. baseball's always been a big sport for my family. Um, my uncle and my cousin uh, both are in major league front offices, so uh, it's a sport that uh, has brought my family together. Uh, I played college baseball, and uh, from there, I uh, never really thought I would get back into baseball again. And then, uh, 2008, I had the opportunity to host the Boyle's Post Game Show on radio, and I did that for 2008-2009, and uh, had so much fun doing that. I really covered the minor leagues pretty pretty well during that time. Got to know a lot of the world final leaders, had my own show uh, in the offseason called uh, Baseball This Week, and had guys like Eric Hosmer on before they were big leaders. Mm-hmm. You know, got to know all those guys at a really great time. And it was a perfect time for me to start uh, what's called Fightar Press, which was originally worldprospects.com, because the world at that time, uh, if you remember, had an amazing group of minor leaders and ran that site, uh, began writing articles about players in my area that, that were being scouted, like Ryan Stanek at the time, and from there, um, had a few major league organizations reach out to me, a few agencies reach out to me, and uh, I, you know, starting a family, I didn't really want to be a scout, because I knew how much time you would be away from your family, and I just didn't think that was the right thing to do for that period of my life, uh, but I really was intrigued, and I had been intrigued by the agency world for a while. And so I took a job as the director of player development for a, a, a company. And in that time, in my very first year, I began advising Riley Pint and Joey Wentz, uh, who are both had been becoming first-round draft picks. And uh, my role really was to, to have a, a thorough understanding of what is the process for each of my players, create a process for them, and my goal always is for my players to own that process. And, and I do that only with the help of, of coaches. Um, I have a great facility in Kansas City that I uh, that I like my players to train at if they can. I have a facility that I am strong uh, supporter of in St. Louis as well. And uh, actually the interesting thing about both those uh, places is four different guys have been hired by major league organizations from those uh, facilities in the last three years. One is the bullpen coach with the Seattle Mariners, Brian DeLunas, who's outstanding. And he was kind of the first guy that I think baseball went hired that didn't have a professional playing career. And now it's kind of in vogue to go out and find the best minds, whether they played the game at a high level or not, and uh, get into the organization as a coach. So when you were saying you advise players, what do you mean by you advise them? So when you're an advisor, you're an advisor to amateur players. Um, high school players and college players going through the draft process. Uh, obviously, when you're talking about players that have to make a life-changing decision, um, you know, we've, it's, it's been allowed to, to, to have players uh, have the ability to have an advisor that advises them and their family throughout the draft process. Um, there's so many different things that are thrown at these kids from, you know, what's the right showcase to do or... Uh, when it comes time, like you take Riley Pine, for example, his draft year, he had probably, he had every single team reach out to him and want to fill out a questionnaire for him. Every team reach out and want to do a personality test. And then 
they came back around with the second interview with, uh, with a higher up decision maker type. And it just takes a lot of time. So you have to help these players prepare for those meetings. You have to help them understand what's the right organization could be for them. Um, and, you know, also, you know, how, how can a, a family uh, not have to, you know, dip into their 401k to get their player through uh, the showcase circuit? And, you know, my, my feeling is less is better if you're a league player. You really don't have to go do as many things as, as people say you should. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's, it's about being tactical, it's about being smart. Um, I have my own process. Um, I've stayed consistent with that process. And the families that I advise uh, generally are pretty much on board with, with what, what, what I'm advising them to do. So when you become an advisor for these guys, are they seeking you out or is your company seeking them out? Well, it don't. It, 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 most of the stuff I've done has been with referrals. Uh, you know, I think I've done this long enough that I've got a pretty good name, so I'm able to, you know, take phone calls from families that think that they could be in a situation to be drafted. Uh, but certainly, you know, if there's a talented, elite level type player, there's going to be competition to advise that player. So you have to you know, put your boots on and. Mm-hmm. Present yourself in the best way you possibly can, and you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. You know, I've I've met with a lot of great players I didn't get, and uh, fortunately I've had you know good success getting you know most of the guys I've met with. But you're not going to get all of them. So, is the advisor and the agent two different things? Do these players have both of those, or it, is it, it every every agent that's in baseball will? You, you, you're allowed to work as an advisor. You can't uh, take any money from the family. Um, and then when you become an agent, that's when they, when they become an agent, when the players become professional players. And uh, they have the ability to decide who their agent's going to be. And so it's kind of a transition from mm-hmm. advisor to agent. Okay, so it's something that these guys, since they are uh, amateurs, they can't really have agents, so they have advisors? Yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't have an agent. They can have an advisor, Okay, so you said you uh, were working with the Kansas City Royals doing their post-game show. This was on television? No. So, well, I did do TV work as well. Uh, the radio station that uh, your current Astros announcer, Robert Ford, and I worked for was Intercom Broadcasting 610 Sports Radio. And uh, we had the Royals radio rights. So they needed somebody to host the pre- and post-game show. So 2008... I stepped up and did that. Um, I kind of been known around the office as the guy that can do a lot about baseball. I did have some previous radio experience, so that made that easier for me. Um, Robert Ford joined me in 2009, and we, you know, we worked as co-hosts for for a year. Um, that was that cranky Cy Young year, and Robert and I remain good friends to this day. Um, but yeah, so I, that's what I did for 08 and 09, and it was. I did not actually work for the Royals. I worked for the radio station as the Royals right. radio light. So our show was basically the, the pre-game show leading up to the radio broadcast, and then we did the post-game show. So did you grow up in Kansas City? Is that why you have all these Kansas City ties? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I grew up in Kansas City. Um, I played my college baseball in Southern California, and then I ended up graduating from University of Kansas, moved back out to Los Angeles for eight years. And uh, they came back to Kansas City, and I've been back here since 2003. Um, this is just a, a question that 
has nothing to do with baseball, but Kansas City, you had said something about St. Louis. Kansas City and St. Louis are very close to each other, right? Yeah, four, about four and a half hours away. Oh, okay. So, when you got your scholarship to college, what position did you play in college? Well, I was a catcher and outfielder in high school, but um, I played outfield uh, in the school I went to, so I was a uh, Center fielder, left fielder, right fielder, whatever whatever you need to do. Pitch running. Uh, as a freshman on a very talented team, mm-hmm. you just try to get get what you can. So um, I went out there, never had to take my catcher's net out of uh, my bag, thankfully, because you know being a bullpen catcher wasn't something I, I dreamed about. Right. Um, and a lot of those substitutes for you know the fifth the fifth outfielder job as a freshman. When you were in college, did what? Did you have a major, or what? What did you do that led you to your path? Like, what was your path to get to where you are now? So that's a question that's asked a lot. I mean, some people ask me if I'm a lawyer. Um, I was a history major, um, so really my my background in baseball has to do with the fact that you know I was just a baseball geek growing up. I mean, I created a, a dice baseball game. I created my own statistical formulas when I was in fifth and sixth grade, so it was kind of just in, in me type things. And, you know, I think that what led me down this path is when I was the host of the World Postgame Show, I had a segment every night called Diamonds in the Rust, and that was basically a feature on all the world's final leaders mm-hmm. at that time, and, and I'm sure you remember, that's when Moustakis and Hosmer and those guys were coming up, and it was just, you know, the great world farm system, and then I would interview on my weekly show that we did on the radio, I would interview those players, uh, you know, as well. Eric Cosmer did an interview with me. I had a, a deal where I started doing a, a nine-innings question deal on my website, Find Our Press. And from that, I interviewed, you know, Hosmer. Uh, but I also interviewed upcoming draft guys. Remember, I interviewed Chris Dale and got Monty Grandall when they were in college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, some of the Royals prospects and their parents really started to respect what I was saying about, you know, that I knew, I knew my way around uh, around uh, prospects and minor league baseball and all that stuff. And so I, I think that you know I start seeing okay these guys need a voice, and I know that you know I wasn't the first one to become a baseball agent, but I uh, certainly thought it was something that I could do. And like I said, I began working for another company for five years and learned a lot from from them, uh, from him. And my role was a different role as player development. Um, but, you know, it's just like anything you do. You, you serve your time and you learn and uh, you kind of just know when it's time to, to step out. So when you were working with that larger company, was it anything like the uh, television, sh- I mean, the movie Jerry Maguire? So I think, yeah, you know, I watch that movie every year because I love it. Um, <laughs> I think there's some elements to it. Um, you know, I call Matt Black and there's my picture of the AAA with the Matt. I call him my Rod Tisdale. Um, you know, I've been with him since he was a 5'9", 140-pound pitcher, you know, All-American at the junior college. Um, absolutely believed in him. Um, at that time, you know, we really only wanted to represent guys that we thought could be, you know, top five-round guys. But Matt had something about him um, that I just saw that, you know, for me, he made me a believer in what Matt's potential would be. And obviously, as a short right-handed pitcher, you know, it's hard to compare out there is is that short and that powerful. But Matt was a terrific athlete. He's a terrific competitor. He's got a heart of a lion. 
know, I just, just you know, right before this whole shutdown happened, I just got back from Florida where he was in big league camp and the U.S. Mets competing for a job, and well, he'll be a major leader. Um, so those type of things, you know, those type of relationships definitely are Jared and Wyrat. Um, I ask all my players, you know, most of my players are from the Midwest. I do have a center photo that went to Arizona State that was a high draft pick with the Washington Nationals uh, a couple years ago. But, you know, I like to think that I don't lose players because of the relationships. And I think that's the most important part of my business is, you know, being supportive of your players, but also not being a guest man, being honest with them and being honest with their parents. Uh, the families I tend to not work with or to work well with are families that think they have all the answers or, uh, you know, that just doesn't work out well. And, I, and I've been doing this long enough where I've documented how many meetings I've had with what players and my notes afterwards. And I usually tell myself, you know, this kid's going to make it or this kid's not going to make it based on, you know, what I learned from the family and the kid. Um, over that time of, uh, of, of getting to know them in that process of being an advisor. So let me ask you this. So, so you went from college, and then after college, that's when you started working for the radio station? So it was college, no, no, radio, I, and then no, agent? College, no, college I went to, uh, I lived in Los Angeles for eight years, mm-hmm. and uh, then moved back to Kansas City, and that's when um, I began working with the radio station. So, you know, there was a... There was a gap of eight years there where, you know, even though I was in a hotbed of baseball, I was not working in baseball at that time. Do you have any stories from your time in Los Angeles? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I was an actor in Los Angeles, is what I was doing. So, uh, That's what I, I was getting I was at. In, yeah, I was in some commercials and, you mm-hmm. know, some TV shows and stuff like that. Uh, I think that, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, I have, I have friends that have become very successful out there that I still, you know, stay in touch with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my son is 10 years old, and he loves acting, and he loves that that life. Um, so we'll watch movies, or we watched uh, The Avengers show the other day, and there's a girl that I dated on the show that's uh, one of the lead guy's wives. Mm. And, you know, he always thinks it's kind of fun. You know, you know this person, you know that person. I think... You know, I know my friends will listen to this. I, I don't really talk about that life very much because I think it's, when you do, uh, people think it either sounds like you're embellishing or, you know, it, it almost seems impossible. You know, it, I think it's something that it's a kind of a fantasy world out there in Los Angeles. I love my time out there. I love my friends out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew that my future, you know, wasn't to be in Los Angeles. And after, after eight years, I knew that. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm really proud of, of what I get out there. I'm really proud of my friends who've gone on to do some great things. And we're already doing some great things while I'm out there. But it's pretty cool to, you know, flip on a TV show and not know when your friends are going to be guest starring. I mean, some of them become regulars on shows or movie stars or whatever. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these are all people I've shared experiences with. And the thing about my world in, in Hollywood, to be with you, is that I lived in a little nook uh, in the Hollywood Hills area where I had a group of friends that I never saw outside of probably a seven to eight mile square radius. Mm-hmm. And that's talking about eight years. We played softball together every Sunday. A um, bunch of actors would get together. And today, I think that game would be impossible because um, there'd be so much paparazzi there that would be, we wouldn't be able to play. Um, in fact, the building that I lived in the longest was right below a famous place called Bunky Canyon Park. 
and my patio looked out over to the park, and that's that's if you Google Bunyan Canyon Park, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's Errol Flynn's old estate. It mm-hmm. is a haven for hikers and beautiful people to go up to hike this mountain. Tons and tons of celebrities there. But I went back there um, last year. I uh, went back there because I had some players that had some meetings with the Dodgers. I went back there, and uh, there's now, uh, you know, basically TMZ's camped out at that, at that place now. Uh, oh, yeah. There's valet parking there. You know, it, it, it's crazy. Um, and I, I also had never seen so many tour buses in my life, but it seems like for every 15th car you see out there, it's now a tour bus. So it makes it hard. It makes it hard for a lot of people to, to you know, have some normality in their life because, you know, they're they're recognizable and they're not able to do things that, that I'm sure they would like to be able to do. So it's a tough life, but, I, you know, like anybody would say, it's a trade-off. I mean, if you want fame and fortune or if you enjoy acting and that's your craft and that's what you do and you're good at it, it's going to work. Uh, but the trade-off is, you know, your privacy is certainly going to be uh, not what it is for, for normal people. Okay, so you went from the acting and then, then you went to the radio, television kind of thing, and then that led you to being the agent, advisor type thing? Correct. And that's where you're at now? Yeah, that's where I'm at now. So, Is there anything else yep. you would like to share? Do you, is there anything um, else you did? I could have swore I saw, did you write a book? No. No, no that wasn't in, you? Uh, I was in the book, The Arm, uh, by Jeff Passon. Uh, Jeff... Jeff and I are, are, are friends. He lives in Kansas City. He's a great guy. I knew him from my radio days. Um, he wanted to follow around a player that I was advising, Riley Pine. Uh, Riley Pine was the fourth overall pick of the Rockies. And he followed him around. And Sports Illustrated liked his book so much that they used a chapter of it, put it in Sports Illustrated. Unbeknownst to me, the cameraman for that article, for that article had a high-zoom camera, and he took a picture of me. I was fine with it. Uh, the guy I worked for at the time was not real happy that our pictures were in there. Uh, but, you know, it, it was his, you know, that, that was his, his thing. And uh, when the Sports Illustrated came out, I was, I was surprised uh, that I wasn't in. But I will tell you, I love Sports Illustrated. I love it. Mm-hmm. I never, ever once had anyone tell me they saw me in Sports Illustrated. So, <laughs> you know, kinda, it kind of speaks to the, uh, the decline of, Non, you know, non uh, of print media. It's, it's unfortunate because I think most people we get our information from social media and uh, from our computers now, not from flipping open a magazine. You know, I guess you know your hope is maybe somebody sitting in their doctor's waiting room and uh, they're gonna they're gonna flip through and see it. But uh, you know, I mean, I think the other thing I would say is adding is that you know my job is. You know, it's no different than, than any other sport. Is you know, we've got to identify talent players. I mean, if you're a football uh, guy, let's say you identify, you know, Baker Mayfield or Patrick Mahomes, uh, you've got to identify what their what their future is going to look like. Um, you've got to be able to project out where they're going to be in five years, and if they're you know lacking something, you know, mentally, um, you know, it's our job, I think, to try to get them to become better better people on and off the field. And you know, for me, quite honestly, what I tell my players is, you know, I want you to be uh, extremely tough between the white lines, but you know, off the field, I, I would like you to be as consistent as you possibly can. And 
I think that speaks to all of us life, you know, even in my world, my corporate world job, um, I always found it very hard to deal with people that weren't consistent, you know, that they were a good cop, bad cop. I think there's a reason why you have a good cop, bad cop, because it's two different people. And, and I expect if you're the bad cop to be consistent with that. If you're the good cop to be consistent with it. And I, I tell my players and it's hard because these kids oftentimes are 16, 17, 18 years old. Mm. They don't really know who they are yet. But I have found that the players that do uh, own that process and are consistent are the ones that absolutely take off. And uh, it's really important when you get thrust into the professional baseball world, whether you're 18 or 21, um, you can align, your career can end real quick if you let everybody try to change you. Um, You have to be respectful when a coach wants to change you, but you also have to understand what makes it work for you. You got to own your process and say no in a respectful way. There's a hundred ways to say no, and only feel for the right way to say no. So, you know, my job really is about educating players, uh, and you know, I guess being a big brother type to them. uh, That's where the Jerry Maguire stuff I think comes in again. You know, that's a real relationship, and. Right. Um, you know, when that block and makes it basically debut, uh, that's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great day because Matt and I have, have battled for a long time trying to get into the level he's at. But, you know, I, I told Matt last year, if I would have told you when we first met, that you were going to be in triple A. He's a 26 round draft pick. Uh, like I said, 5'10, 155 pounds. Drafted at that time by the Middle Tennessee State. Mm-hmm. Um, he would have told me I would take that. But now we're, we're knocking on the wall, you know, the doors, the big leagues, and new goals, new, new goals develop. And you have to always constantly um, understand what your goals are and, and reach for them because this is a, this is a dream uh, job for any of these guys, and they want to play as long as they possibly can. I, I personally feel like I have eight players. If you look at their minor league numbers last year, all of them were terrific. Uh, you know, three of them are in the top 30 prospect list for their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like I've chosen wisely uh, because you really can't make a mistake. Uh, one thing that I think that it's important for your audience to know, maybe you don't know this, is for the most part, agents lose money on more players than they make money on. And I say that because, you know, we're responsible for professional players. We're responsible for buying all of their equipment, their shoes, their gloves, uh, their bats, if it's a catcher, their catching equipment. Most of these guys aren't giving these things by their organizations. And when you take into account also the travel that you have to go spend to go see these kids mm-hmm. uh, play, uh, it adds up. And, you know, when you can, you talk about if a guy spends five years in the minor leagues, you know, I'm probably going to spend $20,000 on that player in that five years, you know, including travel. So it, it's, a tough, it's a tough business. And you got to love it. You have to love it to do it. And uh, like I said, I, I surround myself with really good people. I brought on some employees that have been great for me. And, uh, you know, my connections to the scouting world, my connections to my baseball coaches, pitching, getting coaches, my doctors, my, you know, physical therapists, my yoga instructor, my mental performance coach that all work with my players. Um, I'm very selective uh, with who I bring on board. And, um, you know, I think they're all great people and they do great things. And, you know, I think I know my players are all in good hands. So, at the end of the day, that's, that's how I go to bed at night here doing what I do. Well, that's real surprising to me what you said about having to buy the players' equipment. I just assumed that the uh, major league team was buying all this stuff, or at least the minor league team. But that's something now, new. Yeah, yeah 
I know that that, that that's something they're responsible for. And if you're lucky, you know, you get a player to get the a shoe deal, um, you know, where they get their shoes paid for by New Balance or Nike. Um, I get a I get a heavy discount on everything I buy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a custom made glove still going to cost me between three hundred fifty or five hundred dollars. Well, all the players want custom gloves, pro gloves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the pink shoes on Lom's Day. You know, all that type of stuff right. comes with it. And, you know, I you know Midwest guys um, don't ask a lot. They're very you know blue collar, humble type guys. And you know, like Matt Block of again going back to him. Like I told him before, I'm like Matt, what do you need for your career? What do you need? And you know, right now during this break, you know, these guys are are basically old school in their training uh, at home. Matt lives outside of Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, I'm trying to get him a velocity belt, which the velocity core belts are like 360 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sold out right now. Um, the owner of the company I know, and I've reached out to him, and he'll give me a discount, but you know, it's not going to be a huge discount. And at the end of the day, you know, for me, if my player needs this to get better, if my player needs it, I'm going to get it for him. And uh, that's basically what you sign up for when you decide you want to do this. And uh, Matt, you know, like I said, he's like family to me now. Um, I'll do whatever I can for him to help him reach his goal. He's got a little girl at home and a fiance, so it means a lot more to him than it does to, you know, a lot of other people. And uh, he worked very, very hard at it, and I'm not going to work any less hard to help him get to his goal of being a major leader, and a long-time major leader. Okay, one last thing before I let you go. You said you were representing an Astros player, and if yeah. you want to name drop, I would I would love to know who you represent. I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's Austin Hanson, who was drafted up here to Oklahoma in the eighth round by uh, Houston. Who was um, it? He, Austin Hanson. He's a right-handed pitcher. Okay. Uh, he ended the year last year high A and low A. He was, was terrific. Um, if you look up his numbers, I mean, they're very good. He's a reliever at OU. And it's funny, when I dealt with the Astros, uh, you know, the thing that always came up was, well, he's a reliever. We can always turn our starters into relievers. And I said, well, this is a kid who's a reliever, but also can throw three pitches for strikes and throw hard. And, uh, you know, he can be a starting pitcher. And, and that's really what they've done with him. And the Astros, honestly, I know you guys have gotten a lot of bad, uh, you know, news in the last, you know, year, yes. um, but from a development standpoint, they are top-notch. And Austin, I think his last outing of the year, he was up to 97. Um, he never threw harder than 94, 95 in college, and he's maintained velocity with the uh, Astros. His curveball has become a plus pitch for him. Um, he's got a chance. He's got a chance. He's a great kid. He went to a late. He actually, the funny thing about Austin Hanson is he went to the same high school as Matt Black, who was the master player I've talked about quite a bit. And in Austin's last game of his senior year, he broke most of Matt's pitching records. So, it, you know, they, they're, they're both from the same high school. Uh, they're both great kids with great families. And, uh, yeah, Austin is doing some good stuff. And, you know, I, I just to, to speak to your Astros fans, I would bat, I think, the second to last big turning game they had against the Mets right before this whole thing went, went nuts. I was down in Florida watching the Astros and Mets play. And, uh, you know, every time you know, your big guys are coming up, even though it was at the Astros Park. Hey, Greg. Hey, go ahead. Hang on. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I had to start the recording again. Yeah, no problem. So, like I said, I was at the Astros' best games, and every time I was two days, Springer um, you know, came up to bat. 
the Mets fans will love and have it, you know, and, and I think this is going to be a really tough year um, for Houston, you know, as far as what they're going to get back from the fans. Um, but, you know, it, like I said, I mean, I have all respect for their player development department, what they've done for Austin, and, and uh, I think that's one of the main reasons why they've done such a great job is that pipeline through the minor leagues. So mm-hmm. it would have been an interesting year for the for the Astros, no doubt about it. Um, you know, hopefully we play baseball again this year and they can take their lumps because like, they're deserving of that. Um, but uh, you know, we'll just have to see how this uh, whole thing plays out. But right now, it's uh, it's not looking good. Um, so we just have to stay positive and play some out of the park baseball or or. MLB on the on your on your Xbox or whatever you need to do. Uh, right. Stay sane. Watch. I watch old vintage baseball games on YouTube quite a bit. So um, I do whatever I can to kind of keep my mind, you know, still in, in the game that I love. So uh, I just saw something on Twitter not too long before I talked to you. I guess Passan had released it uh, or Passan. I always say his name wrong. Yep. He yep. said something about. Well, well, let me ask you what you think about this. I had read something about if this season doesn't even happen, someone like Mookie Betts will be a free agent. George Springer will be a free agent. I mean, all these people that sign one-year contracts, they're free agents, and, and and all the younger kids, they all get their service time. So how do you feel about all that? I'm fine with all that. I think that what I'm having the toughest part with this deal is the draft's not going to be five rounds, and the minimum a player can get after after the, after the draft is over, you can sign a player as a non-draft free agent. Uh, the most they can get is twenty thousand dollars. So there's going to be a ton of players that won't have the ability to play professional baseball this year, and I think the log jam. At college next year is going to be very interesting. I think the log jam in the 2021 drafts could be very interesting. Um, you know, personally, I think you should have been able to go to 10 rounds in this draft. I and mean, these guys have been scouted for, you know, nine months, some of them. Um, I think that's enough time. But what they've done is that if you get drafted in the first five rounds, you get paid a small amount after the year draft, and then you get paid in two installments the following two years. Um, which is crazy. That's a crazy, crazy thing. And, and uh, I think there's going to be a lot of really talented players that are going to, you know, choose to go to college now, and, and that's fine. And I love college baseball, but, you know, when you're ready to go, sometimes you only get one shot at this, you know. So, um, you know, it makes some real money, and that's out of high school. So that's going to be a tough thing for a lot of these players this year. And, you know, it's going to take some really good advisors to – help these families out the best they possibly can. So why would the uh, season being shortened affect the draft? Uh, It's a money thing. It really is. I mean, the the owners want to save money. They spent so much money towards the draft um, that they're losing revenue this year. Mm -hmm. So for them to save faith and save revenue, they feel that that's the best thing to cut back on. So you don't see the, the season starting and playing in empty stadiums? I don't. I don't. Um, I can see the neutral side stuff. If, if it's, uh, I, I really, right now, I just don't know if there's going to be a season. I, my dad's a doctor. My father-in-law's a doctor. I, I know that there's all sorts of 
new stories out there, you know, what's the right thing to read, what's the wrong thing to read, and we all have our own opinions. I absolutely would love to have a baseball season this year. I would love it. Um, but I'm not I'm not entirely optimistic that that's gonna happen. So um, you know, we'll just have to see, right? Yeah, it's very uncertain right now. Um I was hoping at least maybe an eighty one game season or something, but who knows? No, I, I mean, think we all yeah, we all hope. I mean, I, it, it gets me a little emotional because yeah, you know, I love this game so much, you know, and you know, even if I wasn't doing what I'm doing, I this is you know, I'm looking like I said, I'm looking around my office and I've got you know baseball stuff galore, baseball cards, baseball photos, you know, old autographs, you know, all this stuff, and it, it's something that uh, I, I don't know what I would do without baseball, and, and that's made this whole situation. So I had mentioned this before on another podcast about uh, about what's going on now. It's canceled all the college sports, like the Final Four and all that. And uh, I was thinking of how crazy it would be if it would have canceled college football because that's a big deal. NFL is a big deal, but it's just it's kind of weird. Everybody's you know everybody's locked in the house. Nobody has sports, and you know so I'm just. Oh, yeah, Kirk Herbstreit's getting blown up right now because I guess he made a comment today that he doesn't see that there's going to be a college football season. You know, and so people are saying, well, when did Kirk Herbstreit become a doctor? None of us are trying to say we're a doctor. None right. Of us, none of us know. Uh, Kirk's got every right to say what he builds in his mm-hmm. heart. And, you know, that's, that's human. That's being human. And, you know, Kirk, you think Kirk doesn't want college football? Of course he does. That's why he's made his livelihood. He loves college right. football. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think that this is something that is so unique to history, really, what's going on right now. Um, we don't know how it's going to play out. We hope that it ends in a positive place. But, like I said, you know, two weeks ago, I'm sitting in Florida watching baseball, followed by a couple of uh, Pacificos on the beach, mm-hmm. having lunch in a great place in West Palm Beach. And then two days later, I think, you know, I, I, you know, the NBA canceled their season. So, you know, this, this whole thing's crazy. It happened so fast in the period that none of us really know where to go from here. And, you know, you know I have players that thought they were going to be drafted this year that probably won't. And having to tell these kids they're going to have to go back to school as a fifth-year senior, mm-hmm. you know, when they're, when they're already graduated. Um, I have one player that would be, would be 24 years old next year for college baseball. It's kind of brand started life. And he was hoping, you know, that he would have a big year and, and have a chance this year. Um, and it was cut short, you know. So, you know, these high school seniors that aren't going to have baseball now, uh, it, it's crazy. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to work with some people right now and, and see if we can get a season for the high school seniors uh, somewhere. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not holding out to, you know, I'm going to even be coaching my baseball team this year. It just, it just does not seem like that's going to happen. And I'm not, I'm not a negative person. I'm a very positive person. But I'm just, that's just the way I see it right now. And, and again, I hope I'm wrong. You know, yeah. we've got something going on here. So, um, you know, it would bring so much joy. Sports brings so much joy to so many people that, uh, you know, it, it truly is. Whether it's NBA or, or college football or maybe baseball or, or whatever. Um, or golf, you know, we, we love this stuff and we, we need it. And uh, it, it's 
know, it's going to be depressing for a lot of people without without sports. Yeah, it kind of feels like we're living in a movie. Like this, yeah. it doesn't really feel real. Like, is this really happening? Yeah. Are we really living through this? Yeah, every day it's something new. I, I documented on Facebook. Three out of the last four days we've had things that never would have expected. We had a parade three days ago with my son, school, Cottonwood Point, all the teachers at a parade around the neighborhoods, and my son loved that. Uh, two days ago, you know, we had a we had a happy birthday to a newborn kid. My next door neighbors had a kid on down on uh, St. Patty's Day, so our entire cul-de-sac came out saying happy birthday. This morning, right before I jumped on with you, hmm. my son was in my office doing a uh, doing a classroom, uh, you know, virtual classroom with on Zoom with his teacher in his fourth grade class. And just loving it, just loving it. I mean, it was easy, love it. They they crave attention so much. If, my son's age, that mm-hmm. you know, they don't really understand what's going on here like we do. And, uh, you know, I, I miss my parents. My parents live eight minutes away from me, and I haven't been able to see them because they're in their 70s. Yeah. Um, I talk to them every day, you know, but I think the one thing, the one thing that's going to come out of this in the positive, I believe, is so many things that we took for granted for so long, you know, whether it be hugs with our parents or our loved ones. Yeah. Um, just that time to get spent with them. And I, you know, there's going to be some good that's going to come out of this. Um, I know that's hard for people to hear and believe, but I do believe there's going to be some good that's going to come out of this when it's all said and done. Okay, Greg, I really appreciate you doing this, and I thank you for your time. And Anytime, uh, and when Austin gets to the big leagues with the Astros, we can do another podcast, and I'll make sure Austin jumps on. Okay. All right, that would be amazing. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Yep, no problem. All right, take care. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Astros Baseball. Make sure to subscribe so that way you will be alerted when there is a new episode. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Fontenot. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.